is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to ask you a question. What has Jesus done for you lately? You know, I found that it depends on the person that you ask. If you ask the atheist, if you ask the unbeliever, if you ask the ungrateful person, that person would probably say, well, well, God, Jesus hasn't done very much for me lately at all. But if you ask a Christian, what has Jesus done for you lately? They would say things like, well, Christ died for my sins. Uh, they might quote Romans 5 and verse 10. It says, for if when we were enemies... In other words, when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And so a Christian would say, well, because Jesus is a living high priest that we can daily go to. Because, you know, even, even after you receive the Spirit of God at baptism, we still make mistakes because we're human and we, we trip up, we, we are tempted and yield to temptation often. So we still make mistakes even, over, even after we receive the Spirit of God. So we have to have a daily high priest that we go to that we say, Father, I screwed up again, I did it again, and, the fa and Jesus turns to the Father and says, Father, forgive him. You know, I've, I've lived out a 33 and a half year in the flesh. I know what that's like. I know how tough it can be. I know what it's like to face death. I know what it's like to face temptation. And so since the struggle is great, Lord, you know, forgive him, Father. So we have a living high priest. But I want to talk about today what I'm going to call the greatest sacrifice. Now, I admit, you know, his life for ours is a great sacrifice. He died in our place. Yes, he died in our place. And we, you know, we deserved it. Here we were on a self-destructive road that had it not been for Christ, we would just simply self-destruct. Okay, and the end of society would come about. There would be no flesh saved alive. But because Christ died for us, he has given us an opportunity to be rescued from ourselves, from that man in the mirror, from that monster inside of us, to be rescued from self. Yes. But, you know, if you look at Jesus coming to this earth and dying for our sins as the only sacrifice that he made, you will be missing much about what Jesus has done for you, what Jesus did for you. In order to understand God's love for you, you must understand what I'm going to call the greatest sacrifice. And we're going to talk about today the greatest sacrifice that Jesus made for you. We'll start in Genesis 1 and verse 26. We'll pick up the story there. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Now here are two beings, the Father and the Son, and they're having a conversation, and they're saying, let us, you and me, Father, Son, 
create man in our image and in our likeness. Now, this is what I call the glory of God at work. This is what I call God at his best. You know, maybe I shouldn't say that, but when God is at his best, he's doing what he loves to do, and that is creating. This is the glory of God at work. You know, and Jesus, Jesus spoke about this glory when he was in the flesh. God in the flesh came to this earth. He was reminiscing back about this glory that he had. And he says this in John 17 and verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I mean, here Christ is reminiscing about the glory that he had with the Father before the world was even created. At this point in Genesis 1, we're, we're talking about when after the world was created and God is beginning to create mankind. But he's reminiscing about the glory that he had. Now, I like to think about what that glory was like that Jesus had with the Father before the world was even created. Well, first of all, you've got to understand that God is a spirit, not flesh and blood. Now, this opens up a whole different dimension as we talk about Okay, flesh versus spirit, what God is. I mean, we are limited. We're limited by our five senses. We have certain boundaries. You know, if you jump off a building, the law of gravity will pull you down, boom, you know, kill you if, it's, if you jump off a building high enough. And so we, we have all of these credit, incredible limitations and boundaries in the flesh. If you cut yourself, you bleed. Your body wears out. It gets old, it gets ugly, it dies. So, yeah, we have incredible limitations and, and boundaries. But God is a spirit. He doesn't have those limitations and boundaries, okay? In fact, Jesus likened it, what, it, what, it, what does it mean to be a spirit being? Well, he likened it to the wind. Notice John 3 and verse 8. He says, the wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it comes or whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, he's referring to a future reference at the resurrection when we are born of the Spirit. The trump sounds, and you know, this old physical body is not worth much at that point. We're given a new body. We're given a spiritual body. And it's like the wind. Invisible, or it can be visible. You hear the sound of it, can't tell where it goes or where it's going, you know. Okay, we've identified sort of in one little small area what it's like to be spirit or to be like God is. Now, as we consider, okay, what is it, what is it like to be a spirit being? What is it like to be, you know, the glory of God? Well, God is limitless. Yeah, he has no boundaries. Gravity does not affect him. The five senses does not really have any effect on a spirit being. He is immortal, meaning he lives forever. He has no pain, no suffering, because we're not talking about a physical body that wears out, you see. We're talking about a spiritual body. Okay, time doesn't mean anything to a spirit being, because they're not limited, here again, they're not limited by time. They have all the time in the world, spirit beings. We're talking about boundless joy, peace, happiness, how would you like to have that continuously? Oh, we have little snippets of it. Indeed, yes. But how would you like to have boundless joy, peace, and happiness every single moment? Boundless energy. How would you like to have that? Boundless energy. 
<laughs> you don't even need to sleep. I was getting ready to say jump out of bed with boundless energy, but you don't even need a bed. Okay. Uh, travel at the speed of thought. Now, that's an interesting concept. The glory of God, what it was like when Jesus shared with that glory with the Father. Travel at the speed of thought. You remember when Jesus was resurrected, Mary came to him and was getting ready to hug him, grab him. And he said, touch me not. I have not yet ascended to the Father. He had to ascend to the Father as the first fruits from the dead. Okay. Later, he appears to his disciples. So we're saying, okay, Jesus says, touch me not. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Somewhere in between that short distance of time, he goes to the Father. And where's the Father? Well, he's in heaven. Well, where's that at? Well, okay, the other side of the universe, the other side of the Milky Way galaxy. I don't know where heaven's at, but it's way far away. And so he goes, presents himself to the Father as the first fruits, and then returns back and appears to his disciples. He did all that like that, traveling at the speed of thought. Man, I like that. I would like to travel as a spirit being. You know, I'm looking forward to traveling at the speed of thought at the resurrection. Okay, now let's notice what your Bible says about your Savior, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 and verse 16. For by him, by who? By Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth. You know, okay, everything in heaven, the Milky Way galaxy, all, all of this was created by Jesus. Everything that's in the earth, created by Jesus. Visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him, that's by Jesus, and for him. Now consider this, atoms are the building blocks for everything in our universe, including ourselves. Okay, God took spirit energy in the forms of atoms and molecules and created everything that you see. He created us. In other words, he rearranged these atoms and molecules and created everything that you say. The trees, the grass, the universe, the Milky Way galaxy, the stars, the, the heavens. He created everything by taking these you know, atoms, molecules, whatever, and rearranging them and creating. Now, I believe that when we are born of God at the resurrection as a spirit being, we will have that same ability to rearrange atoms and create things. Okay, now... When we, that is, when we are glorified at the resurrection, we will have the ability to do these very things. Now, notice 1 John 3 and verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, talking about when Christ returns, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Okay, look at it again. We shall be like God. God is unlimited, boundless spirit energy. I like to think what that would be like, to be like God. You know, one of the things I pick up on is that God is a creator. He's a creator, and man shares in that desire to create. Just look around you. Just consider your car. Okay. The mind that man has, that God gave to man, it's, it's a brilliant thing and can be used for great things. The creation of your car, especially if, if you have a new car. It's amazing. It's, not, it's more than just a bunch of nuts and bolts and plastic and all that. It is a marvel, the vehicle that you are driving. It really is. It has horsepower. It keeps you cool. It keeps you warm. It just, it's, it's, it's a marvel. You know, look at a skyscraper. Look at a subdivision. Look at an airplane. 
All of these things, you know, God, man has a desire to share in that ability to create things. You know, I've been cleaning out my woods for about 20 or 30 years, and I got this obsession with cleaning out the woods. And, and I've often thought, man, if I had the power of God as a spirit being to rearrange atoms and things. You know, I look at this underbrush and all these you know, pine thickets and dead trees and crossed up on each one other. And it's a mess to go in there and cut out each piece with a chainsaw and pick up all the brush. And I think, you know, if I had the power of God, I would just increase all this dead underbrush stuff. I would just increase the decaying process. And all of it would just turn into sawdust. And that, that would be that. And then you could see straight through the woods and if I had the ability to create, rearrange molecules and, and, and atoms and all that, I would bring up a bunch of lady slippers right there in the thicket of woods. You ever seen a lady slipper? Oh, it's a beautiful flower. And I would bring up a little spring out of the ground, a little water coming, trickling down a creek, you know. Oh, I would, I would create wonderful things if I had that ability, if I had that power that I'm going to be given at the resurrection, that you're going to be given at the resurrection also. To be like God, I like, I like that. I, I really like that, to be like God. We're talking about limitless. We're talking about no boundaries. We're talking about immortal, you live forever. We're talking about no pain, no suffering, because we're not talking about a physical body that wears out. You're not limited by time. You got all the time. You will have eternity to do everything that you want to do. Okay, boundless joy, peace, happiness, boundless energy, traveling at the speed of thought. I think I want to be on the island of Maui in Hawaii. Yes. Okay, right now, boom, you're there. Or I want to be on the other side of the universe, looking back at Earth, you know, what a beautiful sight that would be. Okay, now let's notice it again. 1 John 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, don't deny what your Bible is telling you here. We shall be like him. Now, okay, I'm sorry if you believe in heavenly retirement, but my point is this. I can only look at so many streets of gold. I can only walk through so many streets of gold. I can only look at so many gold houses. And after a while, it would get a bit boring. I can guarantee you that. You know, when the Bible talks about we shall be like him, we need to wrap our minds around. We need to step outside the box and realize what your Bible is saying to us. We shall be like him. He is a spirit being with no limitations. We're going to be like him. He has the ability to create. We're going to be like him. He has the ability to rearrange molecules and atoms and, and change things and make things. We're going to be like him. He is immortal. We're going to be like him. Okay, now let's consider what Jesus did for you. Philippians 2 and verse 7, it says, But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That word, no reputation, it means he emptied himself. And I can't think of a more apt description. Just like you'd take a glass and he just emptied it. He emptied himself. He went from glory to this miserable physical existence called humanity. You know, you think life is so great, don't you? What are you doing? 
What, what are you doing with your life anyway? Working, at, working your life away at some job you probably hate? You know? And you call this living? You call that living? Huh. Okay. All right. You know, someone said no one ever said on their deathbed they wish they had spent more time at work. I mean, look, you mow your grass. Next week, you mow it again. Next week, you mow it again. I got to mow it again. I mean, next week, you got to mow it again. Yeah. Life is good. You ever seen that shirt? Life is good. Well, it can be. It can be temporarily good if you're healthy, if you've got money, if, you're, if you live in America, life can be good. But if you live in Africa and you've got little stick legs and you're starving to death, life is not good. I can guarantee you that. Okay, life can be good. You know, there's a song by John Mellencamp, Little Pink Houses. There's a black man with a black cat living in a black neighborhood. He's got an interstate running through his front yard. And he looks out and he says, man, I've got it so good. Yeah, got an interstate running right through. He steps out the door and he nearly gets run over by a car. You got an interstate running right through, his, right through the front yard. And he's thinking to, thinking to himself, I've got it so good. And there's a woman cleaning up the evening slop, probably working at a, do, a job that she hates. And he looks at her and says, darling, I can remember when you could stop a clock. Yeah, 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 your body wears out, it gets old, it gets ugly, and you're not this gorgeous thing, or you're not this hunk you used to be. Yeah, that's the way life is. I would hate to be a Hollywood star. I really would, because their whole investment is on the physical singing, acting, doing, and then when that wears out, it's over with for you. I mean, it's totally over with. You know, it's like that song by John Anderson, Would You Catch a Falling Star, about a country western band that, that they've lost it. They, they have their concert, they're getting old, okay? And they have their concerts and only a few people even show up anymore. Would you catch a falling star? Don't you know how people are? Nobody loves you when you're down. How true it is. How true it is. Nobody loves you when you're down. I was watching a special about Elton John and he had to say, you know, and I like some of Elton's music, I, I admit that, but he had his gay lover beside him. And I don't know, I mean, maybe this shouldn't bother me, but I just got a problem with, you know, God created them male and female. And when we take the, one of the greatest gifts that God gave to man, and that is woman, and we say, oh, I'm not interested. I don't want that. I've got a problem with that. I, I really do. It's like, you know, I mean, I can't, I don't have words to describe it, but you know, and, and you look at stars, you look at singers, you look at Hollywood actors, and you know, some people need to learn when it's time to get out of business. They really do. You need to leave before you run out of dignity. I was watching a, a documentary on Evil Knievel, and he was, he was probably a 60-year-old man when this document, uh, documentary was recorded. And they, someone asked him about jumping again. He said, you know, it, it, there'd be no dignity to that. Me jumping, an old man, you know, you jump your bike and you, you, you crash and all your, your legs and your arms and your hands and feet fall off of you. And there's no dignity there. Yeah, yeah, some people need to learn when it's time to get out of the business and quit before you run out of dignity. Yes. Now, Jesus Christ emptied himself. He went to the lowest rung of the ladder. We're talking about Christ's greatest sacrifice. He became a low life. For Jesus, he couldn't get any lower than this. You understand what I'm saying? We're talking about the greatest sacrifice. He went from being totally limitless to having incredible limitations, the five senses. He went from no boundaries to 
having to obey the law of gravity. He went from immortality to only lasting you know, a short little lifespan, 33 and a half years. He went from no pain, no suffering, to this physical body that hurt when that crown of thorns was jammed down on his head. And they stuck him with a spear. His body would hurt. It would bleed. He went from not limited by time to the short time that he spent on this earth. He went from boundless peace and happiness and joy to this, this physical existence. He went from boundless energy to a body that would wear out at the end of the day and get tired and needed to sleep. He went from traveling at the speed of thought to riding a camel. Can you imagine that? You know, when Jesus was in the flesh, there was the first time he got on a camel. And they're riding a camel, you know, and they're riding, and, and John, how long have we been on this camel? Well, we've been on it eight hours. How far have we gone? About three miles. Three miles. Here, here's a being that was able, in his glory days, was able to travel at the speed of thought. Now he's riding a camel. You know, uh, do we understand why 1 John 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do we understand that? You know, and I, I don't know if we understand it or not. I mean, it's like, let me hang on to the lowest rung of the ladder as long as I possibly can. And I've often thought, what kept Christ going through the darkest moments you know, we, we have nothing to associate it with. I mean, we, we can't look back, you know. We can only look back at our physical existence. We can look back at when we were born. We can look back at our childhood experiences. Hopefully, you had some good ones. We can look at, back at our love interests. Hopefully, you had a great one, you know, like I did. Uh, you can look back, you know, all you can do is look back at your physical existence. And it's the only thing you can relate to. But Jesus could look back. And in the darkest moments, when his, blood, his sweat was like great drop, drops of blood and he said, Father, if it's any way possible, take this cup from me. He could look back and he could remember the glory days that he had with the Father. Immortality, power, the ability to create. Yes, he could look back to the glory days. What Christ did for us, he emptied himself of all of his glory. You know, he downs, let, let's downsize this. We know we supersize everything. Well, Jesus, he downsized it and went to the lowest rung of the ladder. And he did it all for you and for me. I want to look at 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 in conclusion here. But as it is written, eyes have not seen nor ears heard what has entered into the heart of man, the things, neither has it entered, excuse me, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. I mean, you think about what this scripture is telling us. I don't think man in the flesh can even, I don't think we can begin to even comprehend the glory that God has for us that is coming our way when we are glorified at the resurrection, when that trump sounds and the dead in Christ rise first. I don't think we can even comprehend the kind of glory 
that we're going to have, the kind of power that we're going to have, the things we will be able to do, the way we will feel, the incredible energy, joy, peace, happiness, you know, just everything that, and I think that it, there is no comparison as we look at, you know, what that world will be like, what that body will be like, what the things that God has prepared for them. You know, eyes have not seen, we, have, we can't even comprehend it, what it's gonna be like. There is no comparison to what that's gonna be like compared to what we're doing right now. Living and barely getting by and just, you know, this physical existence that we have on earth. You see, I want you to step into a different dimension, okay? I want you to step into a different dimension one that goes, you know, beyond the five senses, one that goes beyond all the laws, the laws of gravity, the things that hold us down, the things that hold us back, all of the laws of, you know, of age, the aging process. I want you to step into a different dimension. I want you to think outside the box. And that is the box of this physical existence that we all struggle with. The scripture says this, Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. The Bible reveals that we were born for a tremendous, awe-inspiring purpose. But few really understand what that purpose is. What God is doing through mankind is revealed at the very beginning of your Bible. Let us create man in our image and after our likeness. To fully understand God's glorious purpose for mankind, order your free copy of Man, God's Destiny Child. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.